Good morning. Please have your Bible ready after some introductory remarks. I will take us to 1 Peter chapter 1. We are pleased you tuned in. We have a subject from the Bible ready to introduce and develop for our application every day in pleasing God. Once a month, I return to this theme, and we take up another subtopic that's a part of that theme. For this first Sunday in July, I'm going to address faith's victory. The theme of these 12 sermons this year is faith according to the scriptures. The aim is to understand what the scriptures teach about faith, faith's necessity, that it's based on what God has said and who God is, that the activity of faith in Christ is essential, beginning with baptism and after baptism. We need to know what faith is according to the scriptures. We are covering that this year in this series of monthly sermons. Now, my subject today is faith's victory, but I want to be very clear what we mean when we use the word victory as it applies to faith. And so I'm going to begin with some clarity about victory and what victory is as it pertains to faith. It isn't beating a competitor. Our society places great value on competition, and in the world of athletics and academics, we have accepted that. There is such a thing as innocent competition that can supply motive for the athlete when there is mature discipline that we call good sportsmanship. And there is entertainment value in that kind of competition. But in the kingdom, in our relationship with God and his people, comparisons and competition work against the pure mind of a servant and faithful stewardship. The victory we'll study today is not about winning that defeats a competitor. The one defeated is our adversary, the devil, whose ultimate defeat was made possible by Christ. Victory isn't beating a competitor here on earth, the kind of victory we're talking about as it pertains to faith. Secondly, it isn't boasting, where we would say, look at what I did and claim victory. There is one kind of boasting that we can fully embrace. Paul said in Galatians 6 and verse 14, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The victory we're talking about today is not, look at what I did. I claim victory. I was better than others. No. When we have done all that we can do, we are still unprofitable servants. Luke 17, verse 10. The victory that pertains to faith that we're talking about today isn't gaining superiority. Remember what Hebrews says about Christ, who is superior, far above angels, above priests, above the prophets. Superiority belongs to one, to Christ. Whatever good we do, we always remain inferior to him who is deity and who died for us and was raised from the dead. Then I want to say victory isn't something you can steal. 
If salvation is conditional, and we have seen that to be true in these studies, it can't be stolen. There is no way to bypass the specific activity of faith revealed by the apostles and just seize it. So we need to have a biblically refined understanding of what the victory of faith is. How do we do that? Well, if I could, I would step down from the pulpit and invite the Apostle Peter to come up here and get before the microphone and tell us what victory is as it relates to faith. I don't think we could get him to come on short notice, but we can listen to Peter, and we're going to do that in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. You have your Bible ready? 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Context. Peter wrote this to Christians who had been scattered to the places identified back in verse 1, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. These are people who, according to verse 2, were living in obedience to Jesus Christ. But they were exiled, so they were called elect exiles, who were, verse 7 says, grieved by various trials. Their faith was being tested. Peter wants them to look beyond the present distress to the outcome of their faith. Ah, that's where the victory comes in. Peter wants them to look beyond the present distress and pain to the outcome of their faith. This is about the victory promised to those who live by faith in Christ, made possible by the shedding of his blood. So I want you, with context in mind now, to listen again. Listen again, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. 
In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Faith's victory. That's our subject. What is it? What is faith's victory? We're going to let Peter tell us. One, It is a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What did I say a few minutes ago that we cannot boast or claim superiority? Our hope is not based on our merit. I cannot claim I did it, I earned it, look at me when I stand before God in judgment. No, not of works lest anyone should boast. Ephesians 2 And verse 8, the activity, the obedience of faith is our reception of God's gift. Boasting is excluded. Consider, please, if Jesus had died and stayed in that tomb, we wouldn't have any hope, nor the faith upon which it is grounded. The living hope we carry with us into every day as Christians is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The resurrection of Christ speaks of a life Jesus lived that was not unreal, not ghostly, not a myth, not a tragic end. God raised him from the dead, and our hope is attached to that historical fact. We didn't raise him from the dead. God did. Faith's Victory is described by Peter as a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What is faith's victory? Peter says, It is an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. We we bought a new car last year. And as we went through that grueling process of trade-in value and negotiation and all that, I started thinking about all the cars I've had since about 1963. And I lost count at about 15. Cars just don't last. The first computer I had was an Apple IIe with those big floppy disks. I thought that's all I'd ever need. I guess I've had 20, 25 computers. They don't last. I cleaned out a closet in my office a few months ago and found four discarded laptops. Beyond cars and computers, continue that list with clothes and houses and buildings and bodies. They don't last. Is this one reason Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal? Matthew 6.19 What God promises to people of faith is that which is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, reserved in heaven. 
When the faithful are there around the throne of God, that victory will never grow old. You will never be bored. It will always be fresh and peaceful. Look at the terms. Imperishable, not subject to decay. Undefiled, free from contamination. Will not fade away, perennial, present at all seasons of the year, recurring, enduring, everlasting. Clinton Hamilton said this inheritance loses nothing which first gave it brilliance or beauty. It is constant in its superb quality, never diminished or dimmed. What is the victory of faith? Peter says further, it is even now. It is now. It's an occasion of joy now. He says, in this you rejoice. The joy of heaven is not something you just have to wait for. Peter is saying to those persecuted Christians who were scattered and exiled, in this you can rejoice now. Have you ever thought about how many songs we sing in our assemblies that capture the joy of heaven? and enable us to rejoice now beyond the land of parting. I'll live in glory, no tears in heaven. There is a habitation, wonderful city of God. How beautiful heaven must be, immortally arrayed. Heaven holds all to me. Heaven holds all to me now. The victory of faith means joy now. What else does he say? The victory of faith, Peter says, accepts the testing of our faith. I believe we should take great comfort in four little words that are in this passage. It says, for a little while. This is the brevity of earthly suffering. The brevity of earthly suffering. One translation says, though now for a season. When we endure any kind of pain, one coping mechanism we rely on is the knowledge that the pain will not last forever. Surgery, dental work, other kinds of pain. The brevity of the pain and the certain knowledge of that brevity helps us get through it. So the faithful can rejoice while they suffer here on earth, knowing the brevity of the pain, as well as the final outcome, eternal salvation. Notice, greatly rejoice. This is not ordinary human happiness about an event that is singular. This is not just some emotion. Greatly rejoice is an expression of exaltation, rejoicing exceedingly. There is an illustration here having to do with the testing or refining of gold. Gold is one of the precious metals of the earth, but it must be refined before you can cash it in. And the refining process does two things. It removes impurities that might be mixed in, and it shows the true quality of the stone being melted. When Christians go through ordeals, in this case suffering for righteousness sake, 
In that testing, our true character is revealed. If our faith is only a matter of talk, not walk, that defect will be revealed under pressure. If our faith is not rooted in the heart, reverent toward God and obedient to Christ, that will be proved under testing. This is part of the marvelous victory of faith. And, Peter says, it is the salvation of your souls. You can't save your car. You can't keep your house forever. Computers have built-in obsolescence. You can't keep that physical body in its present earthly form. Young people, listen to me. If the Lord tarries and you stay alive and your body is still around at age 73, it will not be the same body that you have now. Not really. Age is coming. Hard to imagine now, but a necessary reality in your plans. I remember looking at my grandfather's hands when I was a little boy and seeing excess skin. My grandmother's face was wrinkled, and now I get to see all that in a mirror. You can't hang on to your money, your car, your house, and you can't maintain your body in its present form, young people. But there is a certainty the salvation of your souls by faith in Jesus Christ that is active. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. One more thing to bring up. God, Peter says, by his power guards us. Those who live by the activity of faith in Christ are guarded by God. Clinton Hamilton says, access to the guarding power of God is by one's faith. If one is faithful, he is guarded in connection with the might or ability of the Almighty God. Whatever your past may include, God is in the business of giving you a future with hope. If you were guilty of sin, if you've done some really bad things, 
You must not react to this teaching by saying, well, I've already messed up my life. Remember that phrase in verse 2, obedience to Jesus Christ. You can repent and begin this obedience to Jesus Christ as long as you're alive and willing. The message of the gospel is you can change. As you let the gospel change you, you get this hope. You get this inheritance. You get this victory. Thank you for listening.